0: Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dimzik, powered by BetSperts.
1: Welcome to The Deep Dive. Andy, people have spoken. They said they want more Deep Dive episodes, uh, and so we're giving it to them. Four hours a week, not enough. <laughs> no, I, in seriousness, uh, we, uh, we've we been enjoying so far the foray back into NFL previews, hitting the team-by-team team stuff um, has been awesome to get back involved, um, but... That has, at least last season, it kind of predicated our ability to talk to some of the smarter folks in the space about their process, about what they are picking up as they prepare for the season. And if you are not kind of broadening your opinion by collecting as much information as possible from everyone you know who's smarter than you, then you're doing yourself a disservice, especially in a market that is as competitive as the NFL uh, so we're going to add these Friday conversations with some of the other uh, folks in the handicapping space who focus on NFL, who have bright ideas about the shape, you know, the way the market is changing. And uh, today is the first of those podcasts. So I hope uh, your Friday is going as well as mine. And I'm very excited to uh, kick this off. What do you say?
0: Yeah, this. Uh, how how old is this idea? Like 12 hours? Uh, that's about
1: right. Fif- 15. <laughs>
0: Like uh, yeah, we were just DMing last night, and I'm like, yeah, I do like talking to people. Now that these are easy podcasts because we're just gonna make the guests talk a lot. It's a ton easier that way, and for sure, no, I'm I'm pumped about these all together, and we we might even do a really fun one from Las Vegas eventually here before oh, yeah, the season yeah. starts. So there, we have we have a good a good roster already in mind. The the short list is looking pretty sharp.
1: Okay, right on. Well, uh, I'm excited for our potential uh, Las Vegas one as well. Um, we we are coming up on contest sign up here. I gotta uh, start planning my trip out to the desert. Do you have a, a time in mind?
0: Yeah, uh, I think we're going out on the weekend of the. Well, I think I'll be there the first weekend of football as well. But I th- I'm pretty sure we will be out there in the 12th for one of the sign up weekends because, and we haven't done one of these yet. But these previews and basically all the podcasts we do before football starts will be brought to you this fall by circa and their contests and this is me going to try to get through an ad read because i love to ad lib but i'm going to do this <laughs> i'm going to do this straight the biggest pro football overlays in vegas are back with 12 million that's a, that's a lot i already ad-libbed look at me in guaranteed prizes <laughs> only at Circa sports two ways to win with no rake the Circus Sports Million with the quarterly payouts and the 100% payback again, no rake, and the Survivor. You can play Circus Survivor. You pick, you know, one team each week. No point spreads. That's a bunch of money as well. 12 million in guaranteed prizes have to enter from Vegas, but you can play from anywhere. We'll we'll kind of help you along as we go through some of this stuff. Um, we have a we have a proxy we like. Probably should make him pay if we're gonna. Advertise from. But <laughs> once we get out to vegas we'll talk some proxy stuff too but yes these are going to be brought to you by the circa millionaire and circus survivor and yeah it's good synergy because our guest today has had some success in these vegas contests over the yeah
1: years. i'm already figuring out how i'm going to get second place to uh, our guest today um and uh that of course is the uh, the well-known on twitter clev ta Uh, T.A., welcome back to the Deep Dive. Uh, You are the first, you're at the top of the list of people I was hopeful we could start with from a conversation standpoint, because as far as I can tell you, you are ahead of the game. In your preparation for the NFL season and I know that because you put together one of the most useful and free resources that I've ever come across when it comes to um, just in general what happened last year what happened in the offseason a cheat sheet for lack of a better you know lack of a better word to catching up with the changes uh, in the NFL landscape um, so it's great to have you on first of all welcome back to the deep dive how has your offseason been? It's been good, and I appreciate
2: you guys having me back. I think it's been what three, four years uh, since I was on. So glad I'm, I'm back in the rotation. I'll see you guys in another uh, three, four years probably. But uh, no, just kidding. Uh, no, it's been good. I, uh, I, uh, um, I appreciate the kind words uh, on the uh, on the preview. That was something I put together like really last minute. I uh, wasn't really planning on doing anything that extensive. Got a, it was essentially uh, precipitated by. Uh, a message I got from somebody I know who works with a pretty well-known NFL analyst um, in the media space who was like, Hey, I need a kind of crash course um, on the NFL and, 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 you know, kind of a 2022 preview. Do you know anyone who's got one or can you do one? And I said, sure, I'll just do one. So uh, I, uh, I hired a, a young uh, kind of data scientist who's, who's got some really good visualizations and helped me out. With kind of the 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 looks of the of a of a real professional preview, if you will, Um, and then I just kind of grinded away and and hammered all 32 teams out, and it was uh, definitely a grind. And uh, I wish I had a little more time because he wanted it uh, kind of before Fourth of July weekend, so he can read it on the beach, which was funny. Um, So I I really really had to put put um, a lot of extra effort into getting it done in time and because uh, like I, I kind of wish I had a little bit more time because I think I there's more to say and I can have expanded a little bit, but uh, all in all, I think it worked out well and you know all he wanted and all I think is really neat is kind of one page per team. I don't need a uh, you know uh, uh, an encyclopedia here of uh, uh of football knowledge. I just need uh, I think just you know kind of a summary is good enough like you said a cheat sheet. so that was really the hope and uh you know hopefully you got a lot of it so.
0: Yeah. And I, th- I think, I mean, you kind of nailed it. I, I've enjoyed it as well. And again, it's free. I think Dan producer, Dan said he was going to tweet it out from the at deep dive pod account to kind of retweet the, the tweet of yours. that has the link to it. You can just, yeah, go download the PDF. It is one page per team. And I think a, a lot of that comes down to people that would want the amount of data that goes into some of these books that have 10 pages per team. kind of people have their own models and data already they you know i have all this this is a a nice little cat and it is great for beginners or people that just want a little uh reminder like before we did the the four podcasts we did this week i read uh, each page years and there was always something it's like i'd kind of forgotten about that there is just so many moving pieces or just things you forget about last year honestly a lot of that is last year i read I read the Wikipedia pages for each like I just Wikipedia, like 2021 20, bears. And I just read that like for five minutes to just get myself back in the mind space of like remembering, because uh, I mean, how many times have we talked about this through Too like the COVID years have really mushed together, like a 20, like two seasons kind of just mushed together at times. And it was good to totally grab what, what happened last year. And I think, yeah, I think we did a pretty good job with the NFC North. We can do a, another fun one next week. But yeah, today we'll we'll spend some time just talking about the process and whatnot. I think maybe a good question for you too, since you did do this work, and you you already answered that like somebody helping you make it look nice. I think <laughs> that was money well spent because it does look it does look very sharp, but uh, like was there something in the process of building that that you kind of hit on that's like, you know this is this is the core usefulness for where you need to start your handicaps for each team or setting up some of the, maybe it's the, you know, everyone has power numbers, but some of the subjective stuff you have to put to some of these teams to really analyze where they're at.
2: Yeah. And I think it was just important um, to have kind of two, you know, I wanted to lay it out in a way where if you just wanted the pure football side of things in terms of, you know, what happened um, from a free agency perspective, you know, roster perspective, the draft. Like I've got that all, you know, I've got the depth charts um, that currently are are listed uh, from our lads, just all laid out for you. If you just want the football side of things, like, you know, who's on what team, right? Because we always forget um, some of the transactions that were made in March, but then also, uh, you know, what happened last year, let's review what happened last year was, was the team that, um, you know, um, you know, won 10 games were, were they actually better than the team that won, you know, seven or eight games? Were there any luck factors involved there? Were they, um, you know, from a point differential perspective, from a close game perspective, did they get, you know, some lucky breaks? Um, you know, were there any major injuries? Um, all of those things, I think, you know, combined um, play into what happened last year and you know, could potentially help you predict uh, what's going to happen this year. And then obviously the schedule, um, no, nothing is perfect. There's no uh, exact science here when it comes to, you know, uh, even though a team was was bad last year and you think it might be a quote unquote easy game or vice versa this year, you know, we know things change, so it's not perfect, but you get some sense of, you know, overall, uh, how does the schedule look from one year to the next? And, you know, are there any major outliers uh, in that case? And so I think all of those things were what I kind of plan to put together in, in the one page summaries. And Like I said, if it's just a football thing, if you just want to know, you know, who's on each who's on each roster and what are the changes, you can do that. And if you just want, hey, what are what are some of the nuances of um, some of the close game numbers, some of the the luck factors that um, maybe, um, you know, masked some of the the 2021 results? You know, you've got that all there. So I think it's kind of a little bit for for everybody.
0: Yeah, you had a ton of that in, you know, like I said, I haven't read the whole thing. I read four pages of it. And some of the intro too, but well, I just, I, I'm like, I'm going to take time and focus on the teams. I'm, I'm actually perfect reading. bathroom material. Andy, come on. Yeah, it, it is. It's <laughs> funny too. You say read on the beach. It's crazy how many people just sit there with their Phil steel on the beach. And like, I don't know, my, my wife reads like, you know, mystery novels and stuff. And last year I was reading like soccer analytics. It's uh it's, we're, we're a different breed sometimes I think, but definitely, yeah, definitely good bathroom material. But I, I was going to say a lot of that, uh, the context you put to stuff because, yeah, yeah. you know, you can't go too simplistic and say, here's the, here's the record last year Because when you do, like you said, some of the luck fumble, luck, one score game, luck, or I mean, some of that isn't luck, but knowing, you know, you remember like oh this team finished last in the division, but getting some of that context too helps a lot. Like, yeah, they were probably cause it's, there are teams where it's like, man, they were horrible. And then you look and like, Oh my God, they had good fumble luck and they had like, <laughs> decent luck and in injuries, they were still this bad. Like it almost adds an extra layer of, I mean, it, it's not always like, oh, this team was unlucky. They should have been better. Sometimes a bad team actually was lucky and should have been worse. I mean, it, it is good to get that, uh, that context to every team too when you're starting to evaluate, you know, cause that's what you base your prior on is last year.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And I thought in general, you hit on, you consolidated what used to take me five open tabs and three open PDFs in order to kind of have everything I needed to do a team preview. It's all now on one page, which I find to be unbelievably convenient. So thank you for that. And yeah, if you wanted to spend more time on it, make it longer, I would push back and say, no way, like short and sweet the editorial nature to it is absolutely on the nose. So there's no need to make it longer. Um, you know, Our lads you mentioned is a huge resource for me. I always have that one oh, open yeah. when we're doing a preview, uh, you know, the, what was last year's schedule? What is this year's schedule? Um, uh, you know what are the look ahead lines? What is the you know implied strength of schedule? But the the um the little box you have of kind of the luck factors is is probably the the hidden gem in all of it. Uh, Andy was mentioning, and I wanted to ask your your current thoughts on how to apply that in a forward sense because we talked about four teams in the NFC North this week, and it's you know there's been pretty clear early market love for a team like the Lions and dis like for a team like the packers and if you just look at the you know the X pythag expectation and how those teams performed relative to that expectation last year from a win standpoint you could you know you should have been able to tell that the market was going to be hot on the lions and cold on the packers in a vacuum am i crazy
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I, and I think the market is is like, uh, is like really pricing that in, in the last couple of years more so than they used to. I mean, you could have cleaned up on a lot of these totals, you know, back a decade ago because there wasn't a lot of this kind of luck regression uh, discussed, you know, openly. And then I think it was Bill Barnwell actually was the first one that I recall back uh, a handful of years ago who started talking about this sort of thing. And then the football outsider started doing it. And yeah, there's a lot of. You know, looking at what happened last year from a point differential and the in the Pythag um, win expectation and um, some of these turnover uh, kind of luck metrics and all those sorts of things that that should bounce back the next season. And so, um, you know, that is already being priced in. I mean, look at the Steelers now. I know the Steelers are um, you know you lose Ben Roethlisberger, but uh, let's be honest, he was a shell of himself last year anyway. So going from him to Trubisky or Pickett shouldn't be a big deal. But they're, I mean, they're, they had nine wins. They had a tie. And I think they're, what's, are they sitting at seven right now in their win total market? Like, it's pretty, pretty substantial. And it's because they completely outplayed their Pythagorean win expectation. I mean, they they had one of the um, worst point differentials you'll ever see from a playoff team. I mean, they were minus 55 points. Um, there were six teams in the AFC and three in the NFC with a higher differential. Didn't even make the playoffs. So, you know, they got blown out a ton. And so that's already factored into, you know, the winter market this year. And so when I mentioned, you know, expanding, um, I didn't mean adding more pages to this, by the way, that's not what I was trying to do. But, um, you know, I've got uh, I've got a guy who's helping me do some more research. And, and you were, um, you know, kind of the um, proponent of some of this, um, Drew, in that, you know, is there anything above just kind of close game numbers that we can look at that can help derive you know who exceeded um expectations a little bit more or, or underachieved and so we're looking at more win probabilities in the fourth quarter of games uh, kind of before you get to the last couple of minutes so using um again this is still in draft form but looking at you know the first half of the uh first six minutes of the fourth quarter and kind of using a blended win probability if you just kind of add those all up and, and compare that to the actual win percentage at the end of the season you know who really exceeded or or uh underachieved the most and then look at how those teams uh the kind of the outliers um perform next the next season in in a win total market and if you just looked at the teams that overachieved for example like the Steelers because they're a perfect one um if they overachieved by kind of the 80th percentile or higher um, in the database that we've we've been looking at since 2005. Those teams, if you take their under the next season blindly, you're talking about a you know, kind of 65%-ish um, win rate uh, just by taking those unders. And if the, and this is where you come in, Drew. You, you've always talked about the alternative lines. And it's because these um, they, they go under by over two games, almost two and a half games on average. Um, and so if you kind of apply a, hey, let's take the kind of alt lines by, you know, what the alt lines are usually about a, a game off of the normal lines. Um, you can get kind of a plus 185, 200 or so. in some teams Um, just take all of those. I mean, your ROI is through the roof. I mean, you're, 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 you're just sweeping in units here. So um, that's something that we're going to, I'm going to continue to do more research on, but you know, looking at all those things um, I think can help you. I don't think that's coincidence that those teams really um, underperform the next season. It's, it's, you know, what your win loss record, just like wins and losses for a quarterback don't always explain everything. So you know, long-winded answer to say that that all of the kind of luck factors and the, the point differentials and the win probabilities uh, in the fourth quarter, all those things can help you at least have, have some idea as to, as to how, you know, a couple of these outliers could perform the next season. So um, I think that's all, you know, all really important. And it's all part of the context along with some of the roster changes and the coaching changes that can get you to some of these, uh, um, you know, these type of uh, uh Ideas for, for what to look for in the win total market.
0: It's your, your answer. We're, it's like we're doing this podcast in reverse because like you just answered my next question I had. Well, and it wasn't even a question. It was like, a uh, here's what you could add for next year. But it does feel like, you know, Pythag is something you can look at to get a real general view. But it's funny. I brought up soccer analytics and, you know, where even just where XG has gotten from where it started, like XG has gotten better even though it's the same kind of stat, but before XG, I mean, you looked at the final score and then maybe you said, how many shots did they take? Like, Oh, they took a lot of shots, but they didn't make a, you know, we didn't get a lot of score and you felt like I'm putting a more context to this than just saying, you know, Huddersfield lost two to one, but you know, and it does feel like that's kind of where Pythag is at this point where it's just points. All you're looking at is points and there's so many more factors And if somebody could take, you know, looking at, and I know Rufus does some things with uh, added EPA per turnover. And there's a few people that are working with like, you know, but try to think of a play that has a, you know, a bigger swing and win probability or just everything based in, you know, some of these turnovers or maybe long touchdowns, I suppose. Some of that stuff really affects it depending how late you're in the game, but taking fumble luck, for example, and figuring out, like, not only were they unlucky, but they were unlucky at horrible times. You know, just like it was like were, Dalvin
1: Cook fumbling in overtime yeah, in week one. Yeah. F- oh, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, you
0: know, because fum- fumble luck is one thing, but if you have bad, right. bad fumble luck and like 80% of those fumbles are in the first and second quarter, it's, it's not the same as having maybe. Middle middle of the pack fumble luck, but a lot of them are happening yeah. in high leverage sure. spots, like or like a fumble at like midfield.
1: Uh, yeah, fumble at midfield on fourth and one, big deal. Like a fumble at the goal line that takes six points off the board—that's massive. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. There is context around that for sure. I agree.
0: Well, to and yeah, look at any yeah, Washington, of things, for example, the win probability and and see you know what these massive plays that happened that swung win probability, like you know, was it was it just luck or was this, this team is just bad and putting some of that and actually coming up with a, a true, like you're saying expectation for wins that that team should have had, or, you know, a true expectation for even a game like, Hey, this team lost the odds said they were going to lose 60% of the time. But after the game, like, you know, they probably should have won this game despite losing by eight. There was just so many high leverage spots that flip things like that'd be that would be interesting to me. Like that would add such a layer of context to figuring out like what a team actually was for an entire season.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, look at the Lions I talked about in the section, like they lost, I think they lost three buzzer beaters, um, which happens, right? Like teams lose at the, at, at the, at the gun in terms of, um, you know, field goals or whatever, but like you lose a, on a 66 yard field goal uh, to Justin Tucker. Like that's, I mean, how, how, how can you model that going forward, like I'll take my chances that it's gonna happen again. Um, and if that happens, you know, those kind of wild swings like you mentioned a couple of times, that that's where the outliers I think are, are important. And I, you know, I haven't gotten to the point where I can model that going forward, but I think just contextually knowing that, um, I think is important, you know, look at, you know, Washington with talk about when the the turnovers occurred, like they led the NFL with the most turnovers inside their own 10 yard line. Like they had like four or five of them. It was, it was pretty ridiculous. Dallas, you know, Dallas, how many times did you get a Trevon Diggs pick six? You know, like there's just, is that repeatable? You know, it's not, they also were one of the um, worst defenses in the NFL when it comes to explosive pass rates allowed. Like they were a high leverage team when it comes to, they're either going to get a pick six or they're going to get burned deep. And it's like, I'll take my chances that the burn deep's going to happen more often going forward than the uh than the pick six. So, you know, ha- again, having those at least, and, and that's what I tried to do here, um, I think is important and uh, you know, can help you um you know decide whether like, do I really think Dallas' defense is that good? Was there is there a DBOA, is there EPA? Are are those are those real? Or are those just completely elevated by these unsustainable, you know, Micah Parsons strip, strip sacks left and right. And these, uh,
0: yeah. these digs. true um, the, the, that the 18 bears defense, like the, Oof, the boy, oh, boy. Here. like, and yeah. that's where maybe even not even so team specific, but if you identify a team and I'm going to pick on that, I think it was the 18 bears, the team that went like 12 wins. Like if you go look at the defense and the amount of turnovers and, and I think if you went and looked at you know the the win probability shifts on those turnovers, there were so many that were such big spots, and that team was good, but they turned into a probably a great team on the back of that, and maybe that's not yeah. the kind of team that competes in a you know in a playoff game all the time because it's a much much smaller sample, and you need that to continue. But I think even without looking at the numbers, we just kind of picked on that team the next year and said like, hey, guess what? Bears probably can't just do that again. And I think if you looked back at enough history and said, like, hey, teams that do this sort of thing on defense or even on offense that have this many explosive plays that are, you know, two standard deviations off the what a, what a normal <laughs> team should have. You can just say, like, this team probably isn't doing it again because we have 50 record yeah. teams no. doing this and nobody did.
1: Oh it absolutely cuts both ways too. I mean the Bears did it for so many years with the fumble luck. They you know the forced fumbles that like, Tillman, it, it, right? It, yeah, it did yeah, it's right. They like either the positional coaches or the personnel they had played into that but um at some point yeah, it was going to change and it goes both ways because I remember the year that the Niners had two interceptions two, intercep- on, like, I was just gonna two interceptions on 500 attempted passes against them or something insane. Mm-hmm. Like the rate was so impossible. it was like five standard deviations off of a normal didn't, team. Didn't they have two like, picks
0: it, in the first half of week one the next year? And then
1: yeah, the week yeah. one the next year they had two picks in the first exactly. Yeah, and it's like you know those those types of things where. Uh, you have outlier stuff and it is either telling you that the defense is better or worse than actual, uh, you know, than it actually is, is uh, very valuable to identify in the preseason port. And I think you picked on the Dallas Cowboys, completely fair in my mind. That was one of the luckiest defenses in the NFL last year. Not just uh, the turnover stuff that you referenced, but um, they had a lot of high leverage and a lot of fluky stuff that happened. Just who they got to face, when they got to face, some third down stuff. Like and basically every non-repeatable metric, uh was in their favor last year um and uh you know if you're gonna tell me dan quinn's gonna do it run it back and be just as good i'll i'll uh, I'll, I'll put my money against that anytime so um but even it's uh even that one hey drew not yeah, to interrupt but like ahead. you know andy talked about the point differential
2: yeah. like with dallas what they were um they were either number one number one or number two in point differential i don't remember but but like Look at look a little bit deeper. I mean, they they won that Week 18 game against the Eagles when the Eagles sat everybody, and I have no idea why yeah. Dallas played everybody. But they won that game, you know, going away. They beat the the Washington team that was coming off that short. Remember that month that uh, it was a Monday um, COVID kind of extended. You know, that their game got pushed to Monday against the Eagles or Tuesday, whatever it was. Oh, um, yeah. A bunch of guys still out, and then then Dallas destroyed them on Sunday night by like 30. Like, okay, th- those two games are gonna, yeah, that's gonna help your point differential. So you go from if you just excluded those, like they go from yeah, they they probably should have won more games based on uh, Pythag. But if you exclude those games, they really were they won about what they should have just on point differential. So that's, I think you've that's a good put point, bud. Stuff,
0: uh, yeah but good point about the pythag and like i i mentioned it was flawed i didn't really get into it but i think you kind of pointed to a really good example of it is like when you have a blowout and it's not just we really played well and did everything perfect it's like the other team was in a horrible spot and you were in a great spot or you know it was an injury one let's say the the Saints what did they win what was that score in Denver that year against uh was that
1: 30 when they were up against Kendall Hilton Kendall whatever Hilton, that guy, yeah. the the, the yeah. wide receiver who was playing quarterback
0: yeah, yeah. like uh, that's included in your pythag is a sure. blowout against a, a wide receiver starting or sure. you know some of these teams that have had covid issues or cluster injuries or just horrible tra- travel spots and let's say you score four touchdowns like with the backups and your win probability was already sitting at like 85% before you score those. Like, that, that shouldn't count the same as, you know, things scored in one score games against, you know, uh, uh, like you're doing with the, the, the schedule, Drew. If you could actually look at like sure. where are these teams at as far as rest and travel and every and injury and see where they, you know, where they lined up. If one's at a massive disadvantage, maybe you should have some sort of weighted pythag for that sort of game
1: yeah no no i i I, you're never going to clean it all perfectly and there's always going to be anecdotes like we're pulling out of the back of our brain because they're so outrageous but like normalizing it or cleaning the data in a way that your pythag is informed by the you know whatever the score differential was when the win probability was at a certain level at a certain time of the game makes sense because if your win probability is 98 percent in the second quarter Like, you should lock it at that point. Like, that should be, like, that should have a certain positive score for your team, right? Regardless of what happens after that point. Because who the hell cares if you then add four more touchdowns or if the team then closes to, you know, the gap from 28 to 14. Like, you should still be rewarded with the fact that in the second quarter of a game you had a 98% win probability, right? And... And then the vice versa, like you were pointing out with the fourth quarter, if you're going into the final four minutes and the win probability is 50%, like that should be what your game score reflects, not yeah. whatever the ultimate outcome ends up being. Because, you know, in the case of like, uh, you know, Bill's Chiefs playoff game, right? Like that was a six point margin because of a coin flip. <laughs> like that shouldn't get, give the, you know, the, the Chiefs any kind of a plus six in any kind of, you know, standardized metric, right? So yeah, there like this there's, there's definitely not a framework that I can point to of how you can go about circumventing this. But I guess at this point, Pythag is what it is. It's gonna influence the market early. You just need to know that. Um and so I don't think you can look at Steam on a given team that underperformed or overperformed their Pythag last year and read anything more than just, okay, well, that was the market correction because of the Pythag Betters bet it in May or whatever. Like, I feel like that you, you can pretty much set your watch to that at this point. Yeah. Um, and it's not going to give you anywhere close to the edge that it used to. So don't bet it blindly. But I love the idea of coming up with a, a unique way to identify lucky or unlucky teams and applying that in an alt market. Like that's music to my ears. <laughs> so, you know what's funny, uh, you,
2: yeah. you know, what's funny drew real quick. So, you know, cause I, as I'm you know, looking at more of the data, I, I thought, you know, a lot of the stuff was already priced in the market. Like I mentioned with, <laughs> with Pittsburgh, sure if you look at and this is separate from Pythag, this is just the win probability stuff I was talking about. If you just, you know, uh, parsed out the teams that you think that the market's already pricing a lot of this regression in. So essentially, you know, is there a win total, um, kind of two wins lower than what they actually ended up with last, you know, the prior season. So it's already priced in. How did those teams do with, you know, some of the analysis that we're looking at and actually, it was even better. It was like 74% to the under. And it's strange. So it's already being priced in and they still went under by yeah. a significant amount. So that that was interesting to me. And like I said, I, I'm like, digging in more, but th- those are the type of things I think are interesting because again, Pythag's been kind of wrung uh, to death. I think everyone already knows it's way public, way more yeah. public than than anything else. So, um, but it's it's a good starting point, I think, for, for kind of the, the uh,
1: average better who doesn't know too much or is just trying you know to. What? Figure that, out that warms, that warms my heart too because we're keeping the old school sharps in business, we're keeping them in the game. We're keeping them in the game. I don't want the old school sharps to go out a sad death. I'm glad that there's still some value there. That's that's huge. Um, let me ask you pivot a little bit to well, kind of the process for the unless you, Andy, you have any final well, one on this? La- and
0: one last thing because it's funny. Like, my first bet were you know, I used to we, we've talked to ad nauseum about how we used to bet when we were younger and we were we were shitty betters, we were just we tried to pick winners and tried to, you know, just bet on teams with good players. And drew you just bet on the Patriots and Duke because you're from new England and went to Duke and that worked out. If I'd have done that sort of thing, I'd have been betting on South Dakota state and the Vikings and shit would have gotten tipped up in a hurry. But, um, no, you know, I, I get to thinking about years ago, this is probably five, six years ago. This was like my first one where it's like, Oh my God, I know something no one knows. And it was a year that the Rangers, the Texas Rangers, had an an absurd one run game record. Maybe even longer ago, but like they had an absurd record in close games. And I remember thinking I'm like, I'm just gonna bet against them next year. And then I did and it it did come through, but I, I like you now you realize like Oh, every, the whole world knew that. It was probably piced in. You were probably still paying three or four games premium at that point. And I, I mean, it came down to the last two weeks of the season, I believe. But I think a lot of that uh, does go to what you said. It's like it's public now. And for the most part, you know, take it with a grain of salt and actually dig in on some of these games if you want to get a at least a, a true understanding of how a team was last year.
1: Yeah, but the even broader point, there is still freaking edge to be mined. There absolutely is. And Well, the average you, team misses yeah. their
0: win total by over
1: oh, at two least games. It's over two games. Yeah. Oh, well, you yeah, you like, figured it out more, over like a five-year sample. Yeah, it was more, two games. Yeah, right. More teams finish a game away than finish within a game, uh, like over an enormously large sample, which is absolutely crazy. Um, and it's not priced that way still, even today. Um, but that's, that's a discussion for another pod or we don't ever have to talk about it. That's fine too. Um, the, uh, uh, the, I guess pivoting back to sort of the, the process of putting together your guide. Um, I found kind of through the doing this podcast and just talking in general about NFL, like you learn something or you're surprised by things just, because of doing something different, right? Were there any examples of that as you kind of started putting this together that you were like, wow, I really thought that was a valuable part of my process and it's useless or vice versa as you were kind of going through and establishing uh, you know, this uh, this guide? Um, I think some of the, uh, I didn't talk as much about
2: kind of rest, uh, rest in the schedule. And I know you do some stuff on that, Drew. So you have more than me. I, I don't I haven't seen anything that's really been that predictive from, okay, this team has a net rest advantage of X versus this team, so this team should overperform. I I haven't really seen that um, come to light because every year I'm like, okay, this is going to be, oh, but this team has got, I think Carolina had like the, the best net rest advantage last year didn't didn't matter I think the Patriots had like the worst and they they obviously exceeded expectations it was just like all right well is there really any value there and I've seen some of the PFF guys have posted that there's really no you know intrinsic value in just pure net rest advantage so um, I think from that perspective I've kind of I kind of strayed away from using kind of rest as anything that's just more of a just a descriptive kind of a fun thing to, to put out there. I, I think you, you probably have done way more work on this than me. There's probably really specific uh, examples of, you know, maybe it's, uh, you know, uh, three and four road games and or, you know three road games in four weeks or something like that, or amount of miles traveled can, um, can maybe that translate and you know, translates into, uh, you know, affecting the point spread or the outcome. I, I'm not sure, but, you know, from my perspective, that didn't really stick out too much. And I left that out uh, more than, uh, more than I expected to going in is just, you know, it, there really was no predictive value from what I've seen. So I didn't really uh, want to go too much into the net rest um, more than maybe I could have a, a year or two ago. So that's probably the one thing that I, that I left out that maybe uh, wasn't sure I was going to or not.
1: Yeah. I think um, rest advantage for a buy was correctly priced four or five years ago, <laughs> basically in the spread. Yeah. And so Anything from then, if anything has happened, it has become less of a uh, a factor in sort in, in distinguishing teams in a given week. Um, particularly, and this is uh, this is super narrativey, so it sounds stupid to even bring it up on what has otherwise been a very high level conversation so <laughs> far. But like, if you're doing well going into your bye week, it almost feels like the players take a little bit less seriousness of preparation coming out of it and vice versa if you're struggling going in it feels like there's a double down we're going to use this week to really freaking fix things right and maybe it's the coaching staff maybe it's the players maybe it's both i don't really know um but it almost seems to matter more like sort of the state of the team heading into and coming out of than even the fact that you have an extra week to get right um the get right thing is also somewhat hidden in there right like The weeks where I see a bye made a big difference. There was a week where I was like, okay, this meaningful role player who was missed X amount of weeks because of an injury, like they targeted getting him right to come back after the bye, right? Like that happens a lot for sure. And in those instances, you do see a bump with the team just because it's a different team. It's a different roster. It has more, you know, like the coaches are more willing to call the good plays that involve that player because now he's back right? Like, that's definitely an aspect. Um, where I do think the market is still a little, little light on is just the smaller rest advantages, right? And we've talked about this, a, you know, a bunch, people probably are getting closer to correctly pricing this now, but coming off of a Thursday week where, you know, your guys aren't cut loose for an entire week, right? Like the new CBA, the guys mm-hmm. aren't even in the building for the entire week of the buy, which good for them, that's what they wanted. But at the same time, like, if you have that mini buy after a Thursday night game where your coaches are now given extra time to prepare extra time to break down film, your guys are getting a little bit of body rest, uh, extra relative to the other team. Like I do think that still does manifest an advantage. Um, and then the last kind of point I want to make about the rest, as far as the schedule in a macro sense, I enjoy looking at it in the context of what is the NFL trying to do to certain teams, right? Like, I subscribe to the idea that the NFL wants to have a parody broadly across many seasons, and I'm always fascinated to see a team like the Packers this year, where it feels like the NFL legitimately gave them a stretch through the middle of their schedule where they have rest disadvantage week after week after week, and it's like, is that an accident, or are they literally just trying to enforce some parity? Uh, and I, you know, that, that is interesting to me just in terms of like, what is the NFL trying to do with the way they sequence the schedule? Um, and, uh, you know, I, you know, I feel like even, you know, going back to the lions, they gave the lions massive rest advantage this year. You brought the Panthers, they gave the Panthers massive rest rest advantage last year. It felt like that was the NFL trying to nudge those franchises back into the discussion a little bit. Am I crazy? But you know, Andy, do you buy into any of that?
0: I'd like to hear what what T.A. says about this, because I kind of have a, a slightly different thought about the buy. I wanted to ask as well.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the one thing with the buy, I think the focus is really the issue. And I think the state of the team is you're right. Um, I think that's the interesting aspect. And maybe you have to dig in more, but maybe road teams because wasn't it road teams off the buy that were favored were like um, just a, a huge ATS uh, winner. And then I think last two years it's been it's kind of reversed. So I think all that stuff has been priced in. So I'm not sure, you know, where, where there is, you know, if there's an edge there, but it's all about focus and about what the team specific team state is. So I think that's, that part is right. You know, I'm not sure about the, uh, the other, the the other part that you mentioned, Drew, I mean, I'd like to hear Andy's thoughts on it. I'm not sure if they're, um, you know, I, I try to stay away from kind of what the media, you know, what the, the NFL is doing to certain teams and those sorts of things. I know the,
1: I, I, it's not something I like to focus on. So it's um, not I to say like, that it works at all. Right. I just am, I just no. find it interesting. <laughs> right. Like, it, it. you know, you there's obviously a lot of thought that goes into the sequencing of the schedule. If they're trying to make money in ways x y and z they're trying to have a big week the week after baseball is over sweeps week blah 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 they're trying to drive ratings they're trying to create they're trying to give all of the major markets a little bit of primetime love but if it's a team that they think is going to suck that they give them more of that love early in the season before the team is a total afterthought right like there is you can glean a lot about sort of the nfl's front office's opinions of the franchises just by looking at the sequencing if you're kind of reading between the lines i think yeah i mean it could be you could be right Uh,
0: i the only pushback i would have on this is it's incredibly difficult to build a schedule for this many teams and i'm sure you know they're not doing it by hand on a on a chalkboard but it's, it's still incredibly difficult to get this all sorted out. We talked about this once. Plus, You have two teams sharing a stadium that you have to manage. You have, you know, every team has to play these certain teams at certain times and they have to have the right amount of road and away. And then you have to throw in these London games. You throw in the buys. Like I just think it's so difficult to actually put the schedule together in the first place. It just feels hard for me to, stomach the like they're trying to screw this team or they're trying to make it tougher on a good team. I mean, it's part of it. They do try to make it tougher on good teams. A first place team plays a first place, you know, schedule. So at part of it is built in, but yeah, some of these rest things, like to Drew's point, I say all that, but then I still put the tinfoil on at the end and say, <laughs> some of these rest spots are really difficult for some of the good teams or really easy for some bad teams. My, and again, going back to the buy thing, and I think this ties in well with the, you know, what we've all talked about with the, I almost said XG again, um, the Pythag is to start putting together some stuff. And I do this lightly. And this is, again, something I'm really going to try to do better at the the onset of this season is the game grades I'm giving for each team and deciding like, because at the end of it, a lot of times I do it and I go through the box where I do my game grading. I look at the, some of the high leverage stuff that happened. And I said, like, man, they probably shouldn't have won this game at all. And I wonder often how often these teams, these coaches, these front offices will actually say that out loud. Like, hey, we're 3-0, and but we should be 2-1. and Like, we got some lucky fumbles. We got a fluky touchdown. We won a coin toss in overtime. Like, you know, I, I don't know if a team – So, if a team is three and zero, and maybe even in their heart of hearts, they absolutely know all this information, and they say we should be two and one. We're a two and one team who's lucky. That team does not prepare for week four the same way that a team who is one and two, where it's it's still such a weird bias looking at your own record. And and I think again going into and I'm going to build to the bye because the bye will exacerbate all this. But a team that has a bad record is a team that's forced to make changes and you'll see them like we're working on something. The game plan is going to be changing. The game plan on defense perhaps is changing the personnel, the rotations on the defensive line, you know, the sequencing for the play calling we know. And we know again that there's coaches and there's staffs that will not make changes because they, you know, they live in Seattle and that's just not what we do. But again, when I'm looking at a team that's that's like, man, they know, they have to be doing something different, and then they have a buy. Like that's that's a big catalyst for me to hopefully give them some sort of bump the next week because it's like this is this is a shitty team that has underperformed, and I think they're gonna do something different with this offense because they have the capability, they have the coaching staff in place that will make changes, and they have two weeks to figure it out. Like that's a huge spot for, and it doesn't
1: come up all that often because you, you need you're, a lot you know of things you're, coming into it. You know it. what you you know what you're describing you're describing the nba team o down o two 2 going home it's kind it kind of that's is that's basically that's yes. basically the same concept yeah. and and i mean we're talking about small a small sample size so you have a seven game series you have a 18 you know 17 game season like this is all small sample size you can't afford not to make changes and so basically i, th- I that, that that checks out it uh, that is uh that checks out in the concept entirely but i think it still comes down to do you have a coach that's willing to make changes? Right. Yeah, like sometimes if you C- gotta
0: throw it out the window. Yeah, <laughs>
1: if 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 this if the Seahawks go into their zero and whatever, you know, on a four-game losing streak and their playoff chances are diminishing this year, and you're telling me Pete Carroll is gonna figure out like, oh no, he's like, no, we need to fix the running game, right? Like we're gonna double down on what's not working. Like, like that's that would be my expectation, right? Whereas if you have, you know, something going wrong with a either a young coach who whatever he's, you know, maybe a first year, maybe 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 it's KOC uh, of the Minnesota Vikings as we were kind of laying out on the pod this week. Like if they get off to a poor start and things aren't quite working and they go into their bye forced to make some changes, I'll bet on the Vikings in a heartbeat coming out of that just on the basis of kind of assuming that. You know, they'll take the lessons learned over the first half of the season and apply them in the second half. So I I totally agree with that in concept, but I still think you have to have some read on the coach and, uh, you know, just their what's what is their nature? What is their ability (laughs) and what do they have to work with? Because even a good changes from a coaching standpoint might not matter if there's no skill position players to, to pull it off or if there's zero talent on the defense to plug all the leaky holes, right? So, I, yeah, I think case by case is still important on that, but uh, conceptually that checks out in every way. Um, pivoting to coaching for, for TA, um, what in your offseason process do you do about trying to evaluate new coaching hires at the offensive and defensive coordinator level?
2: Yeah, that's, I would say that I haven't done as much um, because I just don't know how to utilize it. I mean, it's the, the ones that are obvious, like the the Brian Dayball, right? Replacing whatever was going on with, with New York the last couple of years. Like that's an easy one. That's a glaring one. We know that Dayball throws it a lot, throws a lot of early downs and you know, it kind of spreads the field, gets his playmakers the ball. And so that's kind of your hope for, for Daniel Jones and the Giants. Um, I mean, that, that's just that's kind of easy. You don't need too much analysis there. Um, you know, like uh, you're talking about O'Connell, um, you know, is he going to bring the McVay kind of 11 personnel, you know, three wide receiver sets and, and kind of eliminate what Mike Zimmer has been doing for the last uh, handful of years in terms of uh, going two wide receivers all the time and running it so much on first down? Yeah, like those are those are kind of easy to see. And I think that would that would be applied more, um, you know, maybe in the player futures market or a uh, props market, um, you know, maybe at Kirk Cousins, uh, most passing yards or something like that. I think you could apply that too. And that's probably something I'll, I'll dig in a little bit more here. And I think you see that more in training camp. Um, I would probably wait to see practices because you'll see the, the people talk about the types of personnel groupings and And that's more visual. And I think that you'll get a better sense there. So I haven't done as much um, kind of the in the weeds um, with some of these kind of random coordinator changes. But, you know, I I think once training camp begins, you'll see some of those changes. And and there are a lot of good people on social media who tweet about, especially the fantasy guys, (laughs) who tweet about like how often guys are are on the field and what the personnel groupings are and kind of the philosophies. So um, that's stuff that I'll probably see more of um, as we get into the training camp.
1: Okay. But and in general, true, true. you're good. Yeah. Good.
0: But, no, um, well, we, we've only been through four teams
1: yeah, and we already have, co- four. well, locals. yeah, and
0: that, that's the thing too. We have like, how are you supposed to evaluate it if you don't know the answers to like, at this point, the lions are not telling us if it's Ben Johnson or our guy Campbell calling the plays, they said they'll decide over the summer. I think that's, <laughs> it's, it's still up in the air. That it's probably getting decided like during camp, during preseason. Jeez, Chris. So you have that, and so you don't. You don't even know who's calling plays there. And then you have KOC, who really hasn't called plays, and people are just blindly saying, "Well, you're getting the McVay experience." They're right, but to what degree? Like you're Man. not getting Mike Zimmer, but you're not getting Sean McVay. You're getting something in between, and the hope is if you're banking on that is it's a lot closer to McVay than not. So, I think yeah, more 11 personnel, three receivers on the field, more early down passing, but you can't just say definitively how much. So, it like it's probably something we maybe spend too much time on because there well, aren't definitive yeah, answers no. and it's, it's very difficult.
1: I think recognizing this is a huge uncertainty is valuable and talking it out at least to kind of understand the the range before the season starts is important. And then, you know, that helps you act on it once you start to get some information, right? Like I'm going to have a much softer um, band around the Vikings offense than I would, you know, a team that has an established play caller and established quarterback relationship going back five years. Right. Um, So it's, yeah, I think, I think it's uh it's still valuable, but yeah, I, I don't have the answer, which is why I was curious if, if TA had a, kind of a general philosophy, but I, the idea of camp is an interesting one and actually pivots to my next question almost perfectly. Like, is there a camp battle or a camp report uh, that you are the most excited to get uh, over the next couple of weeks as, as teams start to open camp? Oh boy. Uh,
2: I don't know. I mean, I, I think everyone is curious to see what happens yes. with Lance right like he look um number number one in practice and is he the real deal yeah that has to be the the number one thing I mean otherwise it's probably you know what happens in Pittsburgh but does it really matter between Trubisky and and Pickett I mean they're kind of like kind of the same I, I don't know I mean there's those are probably the ones off my head that um you know I would I would be thinking that you know will be uh Will be top of mind but um you know otherwise here obviously in cleveland looking to <laughs> see, finally what happened one. with john watson yeah.
1: what's that going
0: you say you missed one locally that's uh yeah I mean, well, we've I'm seen so, enough reports so in one way or the other yeah they still just oh, yeah a wild amount of reports on what's happened i just actually got an alert on my phone while we're doing this saying he he has settled with all of his accusers, all thirty accusers at this point, I don't know. I don't know if that means anything to the NFL, but at least the the legal side of it appears to be pretty much over. And now we just need to see where we're sitting. And still, they have plenty of time before the season to decide on this. I don't know if there's some sort of deadline in the collective bargaining agreement on when they have to tell him he's suspended. I'm guessing that is a thing. I just don't know what that date is. Because it is a it is a long document. that I will not read. <laughs>
1: I don't have any inside information on this at all. There was some pretty strong whispers about a week and change ago that uh, the Cleveland was in talks with San Francisco to bring in Jimmy G, which to me read like they were expecting a year. Um, but uh, I, you know, recent good, you know, give our 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 competitors slash friends a pat on the back. The circles off guys had uh, uh, one of the circa. Um, uh, line, Headlines maker or NFL lines maker Chris uh, Bennett on this week and went through the whole discussion of well, how do you change the win total when you when that news drops right like how much of it is already built into the market and it was fascinating because my assumption was that the current market price assumes it's Jacoby Brissett or you know or some equivalent for the balance of the season. Like, I don't know that you can read that number any, any other way. What is your, uh, you know, if you, if you had to come up with power numbers for the different alternatives here, TA, um, how much does your power number change if it's Brissett for 17 games, if it's Jimmy G for 17 games, or if it's Watson for some meaningful portion of the season, let's say 11 games.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think just, um, you know, I get, uh, I, I get way more, uh, um you know activity or just kind of messages and, and just hearing about on my timeline and just had discussions with people about the Watson stuff then than I'm sure you guys do but so I've I've been hearing consistently um that I think it's in the six to eight range if I had to guess I've been saying that kind of since day one um, you know I know that the rumors were a year and all that sort of thing but it didn't sound like from a legal side of thing uh, side of things that uh, even get to that but you know if it's let's call it half a season just to be fair I mean, I think Brissette is a little bit better than I think the the general public um, thinks of him just because he's never really had any surroundings. If you look at what he had in Miami and look at what he had with the Colts, he had zero offensive line. I mean, Miami had like literally the worst offensive line known to man. Um, If you look at PFS numbers last year, the Colts had some bad ones a couple of years ago, no running game uh, with with either team. So he finally gets uh, a real offensive line, top five to 10 offensive line, the best running game in the NFL, a good play. caller. He can be, you kind of see it with the Carolina game where it sounds like, you know, if you look at the number, they're favored by one, I believe, and, and that. Pretty much assumes. I think that assumes a ninety-five percent chance that he's he's going to start over over. You know, assuming Watson's sitting, um, but if Watson plays, I think that number jumps to six six and a half. I think that's fair. So I think you get about a five and a half point, five to five and a half point difference between the two. Um, so you prorate that over the season, and you go from you know, I think with Watson, the Browns are a, a ten to eleven. You know, maybe they're they're ten to ten and a half win total team to. With Brissett, they're likely, uh, you know, an eight-win team. Uh, I think that's kind of the way I would look at it. So, um, I mean, I think they they clearly are a Super Bowl contender with Watson and with Brissett. They're just kind of hanging around the hoop at around
0: five hundred, uh, if I had to guess. You know what? They're gonna be they're they're gonna be the pain in the ass that the New Jersey Brooklyn Nets, New Jersey Nets. Jesus fuck, Andy, how old are you? The Brooklyn Nets were supposed to be. Do you remember that? It's like, oh, no, this is a super team who got a seven seed. Like if they if they get eight games with Brissette and it just ho-hum and then Watson comes in and plays to his ceiling and they're like, you know this is some wild card team that's like, well, shit, the way they're playing, you know, if they were like this all year, this is a, a top two seed. And this is very annoying if you're like the division winner that has to face the Browns.
1: It's and what it matters person? who they play. What look at the sports first sports four games. Yeah, yeah look at yeah, the first right. four they, games. right. Their I schedule, mean, their schedule is yeah. backloaded like a mother.
2: Yeah, yeah. They, they are. I mean, they're going to be favored, or you know, maybe a pick em in in each of the first four games. You're at Carolina. You're home to the Jets. You're home to the Steelers, and you're at Atlanta. I mean, okay. Realistically, so the number one. So I mean, the number one.
1: You should win three games. So the number one Cleveland analytics account in the NFL says four zero. Cleveland Browns, we got ourselves a QB controversy. Are we even bringing in Watson? How? What can we yeah. get for Watson? <laughs> that's that's the discussion in the middle of October up in Cleveland. Okay, got it, got it, got it, got it. Um, I'm kind of with him on Brissette though. Brissette is. Oh yeah, fine. I'm, I'm with you too. Yeah, he's he, and, fine.
0: and really good point about Brissette has had a few times where he's been stepped in. And it's like, man, this guy doesn't have a lot around him right now. And he's doing, I think he he's can. above,
1: I, yeah, he's above replacement level. There's no yes. doubt about that. And I, I, like, I didn't love, honestly, the Jimmy G kind of buzz. Cause I was like, is that even an upgrade? I don't really know that it is. Um, but that said, um, really important question for you. What, what is your autopsy on the Baker Mayfield era and why oh. it didn't work? <laughs> Man, I lost a lot of what? money. Thanks to that guy last year. <laughs> and I'm still, like a full hour I mean, on I, this. <laughs> I don't, I, I do not have the answers yet. Like I don't get it. Uh, but you know, anything, any, have you kind of processed what happened yeah. and have any kind of a, an autopsy for us?
2: I mean, my, my summary of the uh, Baker Mayfield era in Cleveland is when you put, you know, the, the really good surroundings, um, in terms of a great offensive line, you get great pass protection. You have a really good running game. You Get a good, you know, uh, coach calling plays like he's fine. Like he can win you 10 games like he did two years ago, um, against bad defenses. He can, he can certainly, um, look like a top 10 quarterback perfectly fine. Right. Um, but he cannot elevate any roster. Um, he, proved that time and time again. When when the offensive line started to get some injuries last year, he, he started to get more pressure. He's awful under pressure, uh, especially in the pocket when you force him to roll out. Um, you know, you had the OBJ situation. He was missing throws left and right. And obviously he was hurt. Like, we know that. So he's not as bad as he showed last year, but he's clearly not a, a top, you know, 10, 12 quarterback. Um, uh, you know, assuming you have kind of an, an average roster around him. Uh, he just—he never. Whenever there was a chance for him to, um, you know, take the team and, and you know put it on the sh- uh, on on his shoulders and, and you know a last two-minute drive to, to tie a game or send it to overtime or get in the field goal range, he could just never do it. I think there's only like two or three times in the four years that he was in Cleveland that I could recall him ever like taking them down um, for a game-winning drive or a game-tying drive. And so, you know, he just never could do that. He's he's great as a front runner um he's he's excellent at that but he is not a guy that is going to elevate anybody around him so you know he's serviceable he'll probably bounce around the league a couple times he'll he'll, he'll win you some games but he's never going to be that guy that you know you really um are entrusting for 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 your franchise for the 10 years and then you know off the field he's he's kind of an asshole like just clearly um he rubs people the wrong way um he uh doesn't get along with everybody in the coaching staff there's a reason why you know, time and time again, no matter whether he's at Texas Tech and he has a, a falling out with, with Kingsbury and he transfers. Um, he had a falling out with Hugh Jackson, he's fired. They bring in Freddie Kitchens, and he has a falling out with Freddie Kitchens, and then they bring in uh, Stefanski, and those guys butt heads. I mean, Stefanski is a mild manner Ivy League guy, and Mayfield's kind of a brash. You know, we'll, we'll comment, we'll talk to the media, and we'll call out uh, the play calling and those sorts of things, and it's just not something that – Stefanski or Andrew Barry or any of that front office really um, wanted to see from him or from any franchise quarterback. That's why you got those comments about, you know, needing an adult in the room. That's what they're talking about. They need a guy who's going to lead. He's not going to open up his mouth every time, uh, you know, a ref has a, a bad day, lost them a game. And, and, you know, you're not going to call out the play calling and those sorts of things. So all of that added up to look. even if Jacoby Brissett is call it a game uh, a less win per, per season than, than Mayfield, um, if that's fair, we're okay winning eight games with Brissette and not dealing with any of that stuff off the off the field in the locker room versus you know maybe nine games with Baker. Like they, that's what they they made that decision. So he was never coming back. Any of those stories that you saw about hey maybe uh, if if Watson gets a full year, you could know, bring back Baker and Mayfield. He's the best option. And mm-hmm. like okay, they not they not wanted t- him out no matter what. And that was all it was. Well, you've been you've be, been such a how tremendous big of an asshole.
0: To, do you have to be? Oh god! To win the Browns their first playoff game in like a million <laughs> and years, still play and nobody your way likes out. you. Yeah. Nobody yeah. likes you.
1: Yeah, I, I I you've been such a tremendous guest. I almost feel bad doing this, but um, how many games do the Browns win this year with Josh Allen? With Josh Allen? <laughs> wow. Shit. Well, That's, they took uh, Baker Mayfield over Josh Allen, right? I yeah. wanted him to take I the, mean, let's be honest. The Josh, though, the Josh
2: Allen transformation. I've never seen a quarterback, you guys tell me if I'm wrong, that. No, no, no. i never, uh, uh, never, never. Oh, yeah. never. I mean, it's not ever. Yeah. I mean, what, what he ever. did is you got to give him credit for that. I, if you put Josh Allen on this roster, I mean, that's a, that's a, they're probably the Super Bowl contenders. Not probably. They are. They're
1: Super favorites, Bowl favorites, right? Super yeah, Bowl yeah, favorites. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I know, think that, that's why I think the, what, a slight step down? If they had taken, what would well, have been I mean, your Watson reaction is, if is, they had... That's why they went after him. Yeah, what would have been... Yeah, no, totally. What would have been your reaction at the time if they had taken Josh Allen over at 1.1 in uh, that draft? You can go look at my Twitter timeline. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Nobody, I mean, we were... I was totally against. I don't think anybody who who studies the analytics and the numbers and uh, sees that, you know, you don't improve accuracy for going from, from you know, Wyoming to the NFL. Like, that just had yeah. never happened to this level so nobody was i don't think anybody was really a a, a proponent of taking him to, with the number one pick it's just too hard to conceive and you know the guy had a cannon but it was just all over the field um yeah. and so like i i did not want him i just i mean truth be told i was dead wrong <laughs> i mean you got to give him all the credit in the world for um for transforming uh, his accuracy so um, you know, that, that was not something that I considered. I, I wanted Sam Darnold, to be honest. So I was, I was wrong on both ends, <laughs> needless <laughs> to say. so um,
0: I was going to say, yeah, I, I liked Darnold. I liked, or excuse me, I liked Darnold. I liked Rosen. I did not care for Mayfield, which looked dumb at first. Now it's starting to come around. But I didn't like, uh, neither of us liked Josh Allen. Oh, no. And no. We constantly got in fights with the, and it pisses me off because these stupid Bills fans weren't right. Like no, they just—they no, just, no, were no. gifted with, and again, I credit to Josh Allen, and especially credit to the coaches who helped him along to find what what he has now. Because, like, like you've said, you've never seen a transformation with a glaring part of a quarterback's you know arsenal. Like, and accuracy is a big one. You don't see people just suddenly get way more accurate. So, whatever they did, that put that in a bottle and sell it. Because, well, works. no, I.
1: I mean the coaching you have to give the coaching a slice, but I think it almost speaks more to who Alan is as a person that he was able to kind of identify within himself what he needed to work on the most. Yeah, and, then, the and then do and then yeah, and then deal with that. Like uh yeah, I mean it, maybe there is someone who deserves the ultimate credit for pulling it off, but I'm starting to come around on maybe it was just that Alan is that unique of a character where he was like humble enough to be like, okay, well, in order to make this work, this is what I have to fix. And he fixed it, which is crazy. You don't think like well, you're telling me you not don't very think, many uh, people
2: you don't think uh
1: you don't think uh Danny Dimes can be
2: Josh Allen <laughs> in the Dave all system?
1: <laughs> I I have some very I have some cakes that, that that uh aged like spoiled milk from last off season where we were getting word that Drew Locke was working with uh Carson Palmer's brother, the guy that fixed Josh Allen. And Gordon I was like Wolf well, yeah. Jordan Palmer. He fixed Josh Allen. What if he does it for Dan, for Drew, Drew Locke? No, no, he didn't. It, it, that was a one of one. I think that the f- more time goes on, the more that will become apparent. And um, I don't mind buying stock in Josh Allen for the long-term future, just because I feel like if you have that much humility that you can kind of double down and fix exactly the things that are, you know, weak about your game to become great. Like that's, that's a unique characteristic. We just don't have many of those. I definitely that, that draft. I was literally like, we must add some takes. Like, how did Bill Belichick convince the Bills to draft Josh Allen? Like, what kind of wizardry went on behind the scenes to uh, to pull this off? But you know, and in, 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 in at this moment, um, I don't think you can take anyone over Allen in the NFL for building a franchise, even Pat Mahomes. As as, as crazy as that may sound, but uh, that's where I'm at.
0: Yeah, the rest the recipe is you got to find the guy, you got to have the coaching and it's all got to come together. And like the rest of the roster, it's not like it's, Oh, it's, it's simple to put the rest of a roster together, but it's a lot simpler if you have a top five quarterback. And under a
2: rookie contract when he had, yeah, to yeah it. for yeah. sure. So, so no yeah. doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah,
0: getting getting it to happen quickly. Yeah, getting it under that first contract, like that's how you win a Super Bowl right now. <laughs> it also
2: helps the- to be six five and whatever two hundred yeah, thirty, for so sure. like a linebacker, because that really I'm, I'm you know, halfway there, I'm just to transformed everything, you know that his yes. ability to just uh, and that's the thing. Like that's what I wonder what they're going to do when you look at the Bills' win total. Not to go, go you know, discuss them specifically, but. Um, you know, they're probably going to save him, right? Like they didn't have him until you, the end you of the got year. It. If yeah. they don't, it's malpractice. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If they don't, if, if they, when if he they runs, get him, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They're unstoppable when he runs the ball and, and they get him on those sweeps, especially at the goal line. Oh, my God, when I, I had the uh, the Bills at home on <laughs> that Monday night against New England and the, the fact that they just would not run him inside the 10, which just, was just killing me. Um, and then they finally started after that. Um, of course, after I lose that that game, um, but yeah, that that makes that offense essentially unstoppable when he is running, you know, ten, fifteen times on, on those design sweeps, and that's what makes him so unique. Is he is, you know, he essentially was Cam Newton on, you know, on steroids from, you know, when Cam Newton was the the, the MVP. Like he's that's what he is, and he's even a better version of that. And that's really hard to stop. And we'll see if uh, his bot hopefully, his body kind of holds up because you can't do that for the long run. And he's going to have to be a pocket passer eventually.
1: Uh, but for now he's, he's as good as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. No disagreement. <laughs> we get in there. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Well, uh, appreciate all the insight as always, where can people find all of your stuff and uh, what do you have planned for this upcoming season?
2: Yeah. So well, I started a site last year at dot is kind of on a whim. Um, just, you know, put some, uh, uh, every week, I literally write up every single game uh, of the week, give a uh, matchup data, some um, a bunch of bunch of bunch of stats that, that I think are important. Uh, go through injury reports, like I really go through the offensive lines and the secondary more you know, more than you see uh, what's out there, and um, kind of give a little bit of everything for for people who are looking for either you know if you want if you want to see what I'm wagering on, if you want you know DFS um, uh, for DFS purposes for fantasy for survivor pools whatever. Um, you can use all of that information, all my write-ups to do whatever you want with it. So um, it was successful last year; had a good year, and you know, hopefully, I will have another good year. And see you guys in the uh, circuit contest. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, you guys are going to do circa only. I'm, I'm assuming. And,
1: uh, we'll, uh, we'll have to have a little side competition. Maybe. Ooh, now we're talking. <laughs> ah, sounds good. Well, there's, I'm worried about how much good karma you put you, you, you're stacking on your plate by uh, providing the guide for free. Uh, that was quite, quite the, uh, quite the, um, magnanimous, uh, gesture to the community. So we appreciate you for that. No, absolutely. I hope everyone enjoyed it, and hope they can get something out of it. it. Is really the
2: hope. So uh, I thought it turned out well, <laughs> and uh, I, I don't. I think I had Chargers in Tampa in the Super Bowl. It was kind of a. I didn't really want to put Tampa in there, but it, uh, I hate those know.
1: picks. <laughs> or, you know, is, like Tampa was.
2: Tampa was one of those where the NFC is just so wide open, and it's oh, like yeah. I, I don't love anybody, but that's the most probably the most um, the easiest yeah. one to, to stick in there, uh, the likeliest. So uh, not something that I love, but yeah okay. you know, do
1: that I think uh I, I'm I'm not to the place where I'm ready to plant my flag yet, but I think first game, last game of the season are the same game. And I'll let you figure out what that means. But the uh, huh? Yeah, I think that uh I think that's I'm what anti we're right Rams here, year, so that'll be interesting. Ooh, they got they, their schedule is so damn easy. It's crazy. Are we
0: going to go reverse on the Rams? We're going to be really pro Rams in the preseason, and then you know, the once play. Play. one, one of, of these years, hands, good question. We, years. we did flip.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to I'm going to have to hit you up on the side to figure out what the what the bear case is for the Rams because uh, yeah, <laughs> that the, they got they got uh, the extra home game because they're in the NFC. One of their road games is against the Chargers in L.A. And, uh, yeah, right. just in general, uh, they got the champion, they got the champions pat on the back of a schedule as far as I could tell you. Um, so we'll see. Yeah.
0: And I'll, I'll let you know which, uh, what my circa username is so you can look down the board and have a chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. Well, best of luck in the contest, best of luck in the 2022 campaign and appreciate uh, this, uh, very insightful discussion and, uh, be sure to check out, uh, Cleve Ta at Cleve Ta on Twitter for uh, outstanding NFL content. Uh, definitely among the ten accounts that I could that I would follow if I was only allowed ten. I would say. Uh, so appreciate uh, appreciate all your all your hard work. No, I appreciate it, guys. It was just really fun. Yeah, of course. Andy, this was a great yeah. success. Great, great hey, no, idea. Great idea Great idea.
0: As, as much as I shit on the city of Cleveland. It sucks if there's a real nice guy from there. I don't think you've ever said anything nice about him on the podcast.